Hello everyone, welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode with Emerson is about his piece that was written actually three years ago to the day, May 17th, 2018, How to Meditate on Psychedelics with Vincent Horn of Meditate.io. It was an article published in Symposia Magazine. It's linked to in the podcast description. Uh, so are some other articles that we referenced about this. So it's a conversation that makes a lot of sense if you've just been vaccinated or are in the process of uh, getting vaccinated. It's a good talk about re-entering and how psychedelics may or may not be appropriate and uh, the future of it and all that good stuff. Emerson's been on the show a lot. He's a, he's a longtime friend. And if you listen to the show, you've heard him since 2009 on the show. We've been doing the show a very long time. And that is why we now have a Patreon account. Please consider donating at you, me, them, everybody.com. It's on this podcast description and it's in this podcast description and it is on our about page. Here's Emerson. We're recording this on Monday, May 17th. You just got your second shot and in theory, you'll be able to fully emerge from your COVID cocoon in pretty much June 1st, right? And right. I'd like to make some jokes about like getting implanted with a microchip, but I feel like that's been done to death. Correct. So anyways, uh, what we're going to talk about today doesn't necessarily relate to this because this article was actually published three years ago to the day, uh, how to meditate on psychedelics with Vincent Horn. But I'm wondering, do you think psychedelics will help you at all in your reemergence? I think they've helped me deal with awkward situations in general uh, because a lot of the psychedelic experiences that I've had have not been fun in the way that we traditionally talk about it. Uh, there's been a lot of just being unbelievably nauseated and being confronted with all of the horrific existential realities of existence and looking into the abyss and that's having getting some practice in doing that in in extremis is a really good uh thing to do to steal yourself for all kinds of awkward situations uh physical illness is easier uh you know, feeling the fear and doing it anyway has gotten a lot easier having had that experience of feeling like, you know, there's a giant screw going through my head. So yeah, I'm certain it will help. Do you often feel like there's a giant screw growing through your head? Um, I have a lot of free floating anxiety. Okay. Like that's one thing that I've noticed uh, through meditation and just getting more self-awareness is that there's a lot of anxiety that I feel that might just be wired into my physiology that uh, just attaches itself to whatever is available. So do you believe that associates matter? Do you believe that whom with whom you're trying to use to spread your gospel matters? Uh, yeah, but can you clarify Absolutely. more so, specifically what you have in mind? You like this person. You like Vincent Horn. He is an important yeah, well, person. Yeah, he's a friend of mine. He's a friend of yours, but also he's important in your life. Yes. Okay. Pretty well-known dude, pretty popular dude. I don't necessarily disagree or agree with anything he's preaching, but he went on the Joe Rogan experience to connect. Years ago, yeah. Yeah, years ago, but still he went on it. Not, it's not like anything Rogan said is new or different. I'm just wondering if that made you think of him any differently. No, well, that was before I started working with him. Okay. And 
Uh, it was also, I think, when before Rogan had taken some of the damage to his reputation that he's taken since then. Mm-hmm. Okay. So no, I don't really hold that against him. It's also a massive megaphone. Exactly. I mean, That's he, what I'm wondering. If you get invited on that show, there's a lot of incentive to to go on. Whilst I understand that, I don't necessarily agree with it. And I'm not saying that this is how Horn is in any way, but I, I definitely have a lot of friends in the media and comedy world that do things that they say they don't believe in. But how many times do you have to do a thing that you say you don't believe in to make it something that you do believe in? Does that make sense? Oh, like the, the rule of goats. The rule of goats? You, yeah, if you if you fuck a goat for publicity <laughs> or out of irony, you're in the end of the day, you're still a goat fucker. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And a goat can't consent, therefore it's wrong. Yeah, it's a, absolutely. Anyways... I like the ideas behind so much of this, and 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 I think it's good because it consistently makes me question myself. Because when I think of meditation, I think of it is the exact opposite of taking psychedelics. But I understand so? because when I think of meditation, I think of it is the best time to look inwards without substance, without anything. The whole point of it is to not the whole point of it, but one some of the largest aspects of it is quiet and calm and. <laughs> the absence of outer stimulus. So see, I don't think that's possible. Okay. I think you we're on something all the time, no matter what, whether mm-hmm. it's caffeine or air pollution or various brain chemicals. Exactly. So yeah, I think it's, uh, I, I, there nothing happens in a vacuum. Agree completely. So that's why I think articles like this are good because yeah, that's the goal for everything, but that's not the reality of anything. Yeah, it's I, I don't think you could create that in a laboratory if you wanted to. Like there there is no true straight edge. No, but you can create psychedelics in a laboratory. And people have, rather famously. And so have you always been comfortable with psychedelics? Uh, I, I think I was interested in drugs from an early age i think my experience of the dare program growing Mm -hmm. up is i have to try all of these oh really and then uh you know i was smoked a lot of weed in high school i didn't have access to a lot of really good drugs but uh, i've always been around people that did a lot of drugs uh my next door neighbor when i lived in Asheville, was in the medical profession and had access to a lot of drugs uh, i didn't really do a lot of psychedelics until fairly recently and i would say i at the time i felt like this is different because these are tools of personal growth Mm -hmm. and these are good drugs and I'm not really having a great time doing them. I'm doing a lot of hard work, which makes them different from cocaine and alcohol and other drugs that I've used to recreate and that there's some kind of moral daylight between those things. Uh, I'm recently read a book by uh, Dr. Carl Hart called Drug Use for Grownups that makes the case that uh, a lot of those moral judgments are not valid and have been really destructive over the years to 
disenfranchised people Mm -hmm. that they've supported the war on drugs and uh that's focused a lot on poor people who you know were like dr hart is what his his calling card is that he's a recreational heroin user and also a college professor and manages to seemingly balance those things and is kind of i i there are a lot of holes in his argument like Mm -hmm. i'm not convinced uh having grown up in a place that was ravaged by meth and opioids that a lot of people are as smart as he is and can handle those things as well as he does but it made me think a little bit differently about my previous contention that psychedelics were special in the in the pharmacopoeia why did you think that they were special just because they were like seemingly so difficult to maintain that they didn't exist or that a certain type of person took them they were really helpful for me and the people that i met in that world were are some of the most open-hearted smartest helpful people that i've ever met they were the one thing that really helped with my depression uh they helped me kind of create a new life and a new identity after I quit drinking, which was did a lot of damage to my life and was difficult for me to do. And frankly, uh, it's just a more highbrow subculture mm-hmm. than you get with something like cocaine, where it's I, I identified more as uh, you know, this bold explorer of my inner realms than as someone who likes to party. So it was, it's pure snobbery in one sense. It feels like psychedelics are having a mini moment of the last year. Oh, and, for, absolutely. And yeah, this predates the Michael that. Pollan book. Exactly. So do you feel like this is no different than first wave gentrification and now we're on second wave and we're like, <laughs> we're like 10 years I, away sorry, to having condos of psychedelics? Yeah, I, I started it and it's all my fault. Do you think it's... it's going to become a thing where you'll be able to go down the street to get whatever you need and it's no different than going to a cafe i part of me hopes for that okay i don't know that it's going to happen on a predictable schedule like uh rick doblin of maps says that it will i think they're going to be speed bumps and some tragic things are going to happen where that end up getting blamed on drugs and possibly involve drugs and they're going to there's it's there's going to be some push and pull and i know joe biden himself is against legalizing marijuana nationwide and says that he won't sign off on that so unless they can get something together that's veto proof that might not happen for a long time. Let's go bigger picture. What about the rest of the world? Uh, where do you see this really thriving in the next five years? Um, I think. Hmm. Canada seems to be really open to experimenting with stuff like this. Okay. Uh, Spain and Portugal have by far the most progressive uh, culture, like state-sanctioned culture around drugs that I'm aware of. It's much more about harm reduction and giving resources to people who 
are you know the who whose drug use is overlapping with some pain in their lives that's making it a problem for mm-hmm. them it's difficult to to me i completely am pro this but my issue with this and with meditation as a whole and similar to the reasons why you got into it is because it seems highbrow and elitist and is not it's not something that the majority of people could do. Two examples. Number one, every time I can mention this, I'm going to. When I interviewed David Lynch about this, about him carving out two times a day to meditate, he goes, well, I'm busy. I could do this and this. And I just laughed. But looking back, it's like, well, that's not absolutely true. If you're if you're working at a fast food place, you don't have time 20 minutes in the middle of your shift to go meditate. You can't do that. You'll lose your job. And the majority of people, you can't just take time off in the middle of their work day to do that. Yes, you could plan around it. In no way am I saying you can't plan on it, but it's a luxury. And in this piece that you're talking uh, about with Mr. Hart, he says he meditates for like uh, 10 to 12 hours a day. Or I was, quote, I was practicing 10 or 12 hours a day in silence. That That's t- retreat practice. Yeah, that's, that's Re- prohibitively expensive. Retreats are inherently, <laughs> inherently like prohibitive to the majority of human beings around the world. Yeah, totally agree with you there. Okay, so is there any way to make this digestible in a way that doesn't seem lame? Well, I think Headspace is okay. dedicated to changing the culture around the first thing that you mentioned, where you know they're all about getting these programs into corporations so that mindfulness is, is baked in and there's some controversy around that that I think it's called Mick mindfulness. Oh, I don't give a fuck because LeBron is advertising for calm. And I think that that's going to be a huge thing where when we look at this 50 years down the line, like the biggest athlete in the world advocating to meditate is huge. This is also an interesting historical moment around the workplace. I don't know if you've seen all of these Twitter conversations about, people saying, well, we can't reopen because we can't hire anyone because they would rather take these laughable unemployment benefits Mm -hmm. than come and work for us. Which, if that's true, that's not something you should broadcast to the world. But it's interesting that uh, I think because of COVID and sort of an increasing acceptance of socialist ideas among young people, uh, the workplace will probably change in at least incrementally. Oh, of course. And I can see that incorporating more stuff like giving McDonald's workers 15 minute breaks to meditate. Yeah. That's an interesting take. I'd like that. I don't see it happening. I would be surprised. I'd say, I also think it's a, it's a way for, corporations to postpone the inevitable of doing things like giving people decent health care fair all right that makes more yeah okay if you're using it as as a, as a preventative measure from giving people health care then it's difficult to disagree that's um, what's kind of sleazy about it now in this piece you use to me you use a religious term that instantly turns off someone like me and it's not your fault there's no fault in here a word is a word is a word but you say sacrament. Right. Is that his word or your word? Uh, I, I will take responsibility for it because uh, I've used it in other secular contexts. Okay. Like I used to think that writing for print 
was had a sacramental element to it that writing for the internet didn't and i've used that as a metaphor and i uh yeah it to, why, why did that turn you off i'm curious because the reason why i like meditation so much and even buddhism is kind of and i'm once again straight white cisgendered american male here i'm like speaking out of my ass but um it's the closest you can get to atheism without being a like the guy at the party saying fuck god you know what i mean in a sense but there's also a whole lot of ceremony agree completely and it's me conflating all of the bad things about like christian religion in america but to, i'm guessing the majority of it, i'm guessing the majority of people reading this are also coming from christian regions of america yeah, I think we're all cultural Christians to a degree. So now you're you're joining those two. You're you're introducing, not introducing, but you're using that word, where it's a to me it's a loaded term. Yeah, I could see that. And that but we 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 all grew up in a country that was created by Christians who didn't think Britain was Christian enough. Yeah. So that makes me that that turns me off to this because of just that reason. Even though it's a correct term, mm-hmm. it's just why use it? You know what I mean? So I'm asking you, why use it? Do you want to give it some weight that a different term, like you could say step. Step is boring. Step means nothing to most people before the step is taken. But you use sacrament. And to me, that there's a reason you use the word sacrament. So this is it adds a little magic to exactly it in, in my reading. Okay, so it's that, but <laughs> at 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 the sacrifice of, of 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 putting people off who are sensitive to those things, and I've had friends who didn't want to hear uh, the phrase "bless you" when they sneeze. Exactly. And I guess I didn't, my family wasn't that religious, so I never, I don't have that constellation of, of pain around those things. So, yeah, I, that, that's, thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> it's always interesting to hear how I've accidentally alienated It's not people. necessarily you, it's the whole culture around it. Fair. Yeah, and, and that is something I don't notice as much because I guess uh, I'm... I would consider myself an agnostic at this point, but I haven't been wounded by Christianity in the way that a lot of people have. And that's nice to have that pointed out to me. The It's useful. You don't mention mysticism in this piece, but like whenever I see that couched with drug culture, I'm like, it's just, you're like two steps away from talking about mysticism and magic with a K. And that's, I think, a lot of the new psychedelia is very, particularly the maps-driven advocacy is much more rooted in scientific language because they're trying to get away from that 60s stereotype. And I, so far, that's working out pretty well for them. Uh, I think it's... there's a risk of losing some of the weirdness and you know the the symbolism and poetry and paradox from the psychedelic experience 
if it's done in this really hard scientific language that a lot of people from the Rick Doblin school use, but it's been useful in getting wider acceptance. I think, and that's, I was not all that interested. Uh, you know, I, I am more of a punk than a hippie historically. Mm -hmm. And although I've always been really interested in drugs, I was turned off by the quasi spiritual burning man stuff uh when i was younger and only really got interested when i started seeing these studies about how this stuff is really good for treatment resistant depression like we're getting these results that are off the charts with uh veterans with ptsd and people with chronic depression that haven't responded to medications and that's when i thought okay, this maybe there's something interesting going on here that is not about weird for the sake of weird. It's about people trying to improve the world. Yeah. No, I love that aspect of it. And I think as soon as, not as soon as, but if there's ever a time when the majority of thought around it isn't based in mysticism or hippie culture, stuff might actually happen where this is on the shelf at CVS. Does that make sense? But I mean, maybe that's, I think that's a, that's a, there are people that are preparing for that. I think the one thing that's holding it back is it, it's not the subscription service that a lot of antidepressants are like for the reason pharmaceutical companies have struggled with what to do with this is that you can't put someone on a prescription for psilocybin and, and cash in every month. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is that true though? <laughs> Cause isn't the whole thing. You, like, yeah. I'm sure they'll, they'll find a way because isn't the whole like, really thing like how to monetize. Isn't the whole microdosing thing is like you do a little bit every day. God, I sound dumb. Yeah. That's, and I think the, the rise in interest in that is not unrelated to the fact that it could theoretically fit into the subscription model that they're using right now. Listen, all I'm saying is we need to get a bunch of people addicted to a substance that they shouldn't be able to be addicted to and it'll all be fine. Hey, we've tried everything else. Uh, are you happy that you've gotten your second shot or do you feel any different? I I'm starting to, yeah, I felt a real surge of optimism after I got the first one. And I think uh, I've had a few things shift in my life since then. Uh, you know, some nice synchronicities are happening with work opening up and other opportunities. So yeah, I'm feeling a lot more, optimistic than i was the last time we talked about this you will in theory be leaving your place more often now or it'll be the same what's do you know your work situation will you be leaving to go to an office i will be continuing to work from home for the foreseeable future okay but i'm definitely going to be getting out and walking more uh, as things start opening up uh, i'm going to be going and supporting them and getting out of my hole and hopefully connecting and reconnecting with some folks. Do you still wear a mask when you go outside? Right now, yeah. And I'm 
wondering if it's not a good idea to have some masks around just to when fire season comes back or when oh, the flu yeah. is back. Like I could make that a part of somewhat regular part of my lifestyle and not resent it too much. Well, also, you're not fully vaxxed yet. I mean, you've had the no, second shot, but it hasn't weeks. been two weeks. Two weeks to go, yeah. So how is it have you noticed a shift since the announcement last week where you are like in your four block radius i don't see a lot of people i see fewer people wearing masks than i did before okay and i saw a lot of people not wearing masks uh before that i went out for brunch on sunday which you know still feels like kind of a new thing it was outdoor seating and there was a line and the uh, host went through the line and asked everyone to put on their masks if they didn't already have them. And the people behind me kind of grumbled that, oh, well, the CDC is saying that we don't have to wear masks if we've been vaccinated for two weeks. Mm -hmm. And I think he was asking them to do it because a lot of people, including myself, are still a little jittery about it. Oh, yeah. So it was more for the comfort of others than it was to stop from spreading COVID. And I think that's going to be a a fade out more than a sharp transition. You're in LA. I'm in DC. In one part of DC, I was on yesterday morning. No one had a mask on because everyone's been fully vaccinated and all that stuff. And then in the other neighborhood I was in, most everyone had a mask, even though most everyone is vaccinated, because at this point it's more of a political statement here. Oh, yeah. Like the to to show the MAGA people what's what. Sort of, but also it's like a, I'm in a very rule following um, town. But yeah, possibly the the vote. It's where the people that are really good at following rules come yeah. to make a career out of that. So I wonder if they would be like once the CDC OKs. Uh, psychedelics will Tacoma TC be like the psychedelic capital of the East Coast. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, it might blow up. That will be a good economic engine for you guys. You, Me, Them, Everybody is made by me, Brandon Weatherby. Our theme music is by Daniel Knox. Our art is by Jillian Ron. You can hear all 13 years of shows at you, me, them, everybody.com. If you're listening to this in Spotify, or on iTunes. The last year of episodes are available uh, with some sprinklings of the other ones. If you want the rest of the catalog, which features over 700 episodes, you meet them, everybody.com. Our Patreon page is on our about page. It's all there. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. At sign Y M T E. Thanks for listening. I'll hug the places that you've been sleeping, friends and family. I'll 